0: It's uh, great to see you all here uh, this morning. As Steve's already mentioned, my name's Rhiannon and I'm um, just on team here. And I've got the privilege of finishing uh, this short, but what I believe has been a really powerful series that we've called Breathing Room. And the definition of breathing room is the space between our current pace and our limits. And I've loved this series because naturally, I'm not great at living my life with breathing room. Now, some guys are great at it and others are not. I love cramming in as much as possible into things and trying to be as efficient as possible and getting loads loads of things done. I have been known in the past to add things already that have have been finished onto my to-do list just so I can cross them off. And I'm sure there's other people there. It just makes me feel good. So breathing room is something that God over the last probably four to five years has really been working on me. And so I just want to share a few things that I've learned today. And we're going to Look particularly at the area of relationships, particularly at the area of relationships. And um, I just wanted to share that I've put in your notes. Now, please bear with me on this because I'm doing this as a little bit of tongue-in-cheek and a bit cheeky. And I'm, I'm not taking the Bible lightly, but I just want to have a little bit of fun, really. I want to read to you Proverbs 31. And this is described as a wife of noble character. A wife of noble character, who can find... She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's just stopping right there. This woman is obviously good at like craft stuff and things. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up whilst it is still night. I'm starting to like her slightly less because I am really, really not a morning person. And I remember when I got pregnant, I said to my husband and to God, I said, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to become a morning person. And basically what's happened is I get up earlier, but I I don't have any more joy about it. So I don't know when that does happen. But anyway, this woman gets up whilst it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants, so she's good at cooking. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard, so she's entrepreneurial, she's a businesswoman, she's a gardener. She sets about her work vigorously, her arms are strong for her tasks, so she's really fit as well. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. So not only does she get up early in the morning, she doesn't need sleep. It's all good. In her hands, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. And right now, if you're reading this, most women, this is what most women, I think, start thinking. They read that and go, yeah, but she's probably not very nice. But then it goes on to say, she opens her arms to the poor. She extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. And, and actually, I cut it off because I was like, no more. We don't need any more. Because um, it goes on and on and on. And, and, and actually, we can feel a little bit like that, can't we? We can feel like life is all about all of these huge different number of things that we need to do. It's interesting because this is the, the idle woman which has one chapter. But actually, the idle man, the whole Bible is about the idle man, isn't it? Jesus so there's a lot more that we have to, uh, you guys have to get, rather than us women have to get. Uh, do you know when, when I was um, growing up, when I was about thirteen. Me and my friend, my best friend Karen, we wrote out our ideal man. And uh, what you've got to understand is we neither of us had any, were brought up with any money, and. Uh, Karen was like, I'm going to show you my idle man, and what do you think? And, you know, there was all the standard stuff in there. And then it came to this, must be rich enough. And I was like, oh, this would be interesting because Karen's not particularly like, you know, we weren't really brought up materialistically or anything. Must be rich enough to own a heated towel rail. (laughs) And I remember going, oh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? And we had this dream of living in a house with a heated towel rail because we were like, that is, you've made it. If you've got a heated towel rail. So whenever we've bought a house, I'm like, they've got a heated towel rail. It's quite easy to, to, to get me uh, satisfied. Anyway, so that was, the, that, was, that was our ideal man. But life can so often feel like when we read that, and I'm joking a little bit with it, but they can just feel like there's another thing we need to do and another thing we need to do. And we can look at people like this noble woman and we can look at her life and we can think, her life is perfect. It's all beautifully ordered inside and, uh, you know, they know exactly where everything is. They've got all their outfits ready. They've got their shoes uh, lined up and a, a badminton racket, just in case. And, uh, <laughs> and then we look at that and we think that's what everybody else's life looks like. But our life often feels more like this. Just kind of everything shoved in. hey. Does anybody actually have a wardrobe at home that looks like this? One, Three people, four people, yeah, yeah, there we go. See, my husband would have wardrobes like this, but as long as they're closed, I don't really care what goes on behind, <laughs> behind them. When they don't close, that's when I sort them out. But, but we, we often have a life like this. And we look at other people's lives and because they don't always open up and we just see the outside, we assume that behind there is great and we live this life of comparison and feeling like, I just need to, I just need to fit another thing in and if I can just put another thing in and put another thing in here. I wonder if Bradley could just come up on the stage for me one moment. I'm not going to embarrass you, don't worry. I know Bradley well. He's a good friend of, friend of ours. and uh, Bradley's got a lot of hats. We all have a lot of hats, don't we? You know, Bradley, he is, he is a husband. Do you want to pop that hat on? All right, he's actually a software engineer. There we go. He's, he's a leader. There we go. He's a brother. He's a son. There we go. He's a friend. He's a Barcelona fan, but we won't put that on. Um, <laughs> so often, our life can feel like that, can't it? It can feel like we've got another hat on. I'm a mum, I'm a wife, I'm a this, I'm a that. What am I today? Or oh, Monday, Monday, I just do the mum and the work thing. Tuesday, I just do the work thing. Wednesday, I'm this. When, Thursday, I'm that. And what happens is we pile all these hats on, uh, and we can't manage them all. This uh, sermon called Choosing to Cheat. Because the world will tell you that you can't do it all, so just pick a couple. So you, you, you can't be a Barcelona fan. Forget that one. <laughs> you, c- you can't be this and you can't be that, but maybe you could, maybe you could manage a couple. Maybe you could be okay as, as a husband and maybe okay as, uh, in your job, but forget the rest. You've got to cheat on one area, cheat on your family in order to do well at your work or cheat on your work in order to do well with your family. And that's what the world says. See, the problem is when we view life through all the different hats that we have to wear, when Bradley had them all on, we kind of don't focus on Bradley. All we see is the hats. And so often our lives can feel like that. We feel like our identity is lost amongst all the different roles and the hats that we're wearing. But when we look at Jesus, he doesn't look at us and see a job description. He doesn't look at Bradley and just see all of his roles. He sees Bradley He sees a whole person. He sees an individual that he loved and he died for. He didn't die for his job description. He died for Bradley. And one of the most powerful things I've learned and I'm still learning is that in life, we cannot compartmentalize our lives. We've got to realize our lives cannot be compartmentalized. They've got to become interconnected. They've got to become interconnected. Thank you, Bradley. You can keep the hat if you want. They've got to become interconnected. That's how Jesus sees us. In John 10.10, 10, it says that Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give it to the full. It doesn't say I've come to give you a good work life, but probably not a good home life. It doesn't say I've come to give you uh, a good home life, but you probably won't thrive in your work life. He says I've come to bless your life. I've come to give you life to the full. And we need to start seeing our lives as whole, that we are one person. So when I turn up to work, I don't stop being a mum, a wife, or a friend. I'm all of that at work. When I'm at home, I'm all of the things at home. I'm, I'm one person. See, we've bought into... A kind of a Western philosophy and worldview that everything is separate our mind, our spirit, our body, uh, um, our soul they're all separate. But when we look at the Bible, Jesus died for the whole of us. He sees us as a whole person. So let's get away from compartmentalizing our lives. Because once we do that, things become fractured. We feel like our lives have been pulled in so many different directions, and we're not flourishing in things. So what's the alternative? I don't believe that God wants us to have to cheat on important areas in our lives. I believe he wants us to be able to thrive in everything that we're doing. But the key is, is the everything we're doing the everything that we're supposed to be doing? We hear this phrase, don't we, that you, can have your, you can't have a cake and eat it, and you can't have and do it all. But I want to suggest to you today that you can have and you can do it all if the all that you're doing is the right all for you. Christine Kane puts it like this. You absolutely can have and do it all and then live the life you've dreamed of if you understand that your all will be a journey of a lifetime and that sometimes your all can shift and morph when you least expect it. In the book of Ephesians in the Bible, chapter 2, verse 10, we're told that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works prepared for us in advance to do. To do good works prepared for us in advance to do. See, the problem is in our lives, often we can't tell What are the good works unique to me and what are just good works? And so we just keep trying to fit more and more into this wardrobe and we just can't quite work it out. And we put in, you know, oh, well, that sounds good. I need to be a great cook and I need to be a great this and I need to do this. And they're all good things. But the key here is that God wants us to thrive in life. He's come to give us life and life to the full. But the the thing we've got to understand is we've got to do the things that God wants us to do and not the things that just seem a good idea to ourselves. For example, being in the worship team is a good work. I could look at being in the worship team and think, gosh, that's amazing. They get to worship God. They get to be creative. They get to be uh, musical. There's a sense of camaraderie. There's a, a real sense of excellence. I would love to be in the worship team. And there's nothing wrong with that on one level because it's a good work. But if I tried to get into the worship team, it would be hard, 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 hard work. Back in a former life, I got to a vaguely okay standard at flute and piano, but I mean, you wouldn't really want a flute dancing around the stage, would you? Um, no <laughs> not my flute, anyway. Um, but I could have worked so hard, because it's a good thing to do, but let me say this to you it's not my good thing my husband is really musical and I think he's great he's great on the guitar today I'm totally biased but it's his it's his good thing he's naturally good at it yeah of course he has to work at it but actually when he works it he enjoys it it gives him release it gives him energy because it's something I believe that God prepared in advance for him to do it's not something I was prepared to do We've got to find those gifts, uh, those works that are unique to us. Because when we find them, then we'll be able to do all that God's called us to do. The problem is we take on stuff that's not ours. So I want to say to you, what are those things that are utterly unique to you, totally unique, that nobody else can substitute for you on? What What are the things, the good works that you've got in your life that nobody else could do? Let me tell you what the number one is for each and every one of us in this building. The number one thing that nobody can substitute for you on are the relationships that you have in your life. I've just come back off maternity leave and part of my job was covered by somebody else. But something that can't be covered by somebody else are the relationships that I'm in. Nobody else can be a mum to my daughter, only I can be a mum to my daughter. Nobody else can be a wife to my husband, only I can be the wife to him. Nobody else can be Rhiannon to my friends. Now they might be relieved that they don't have more than one Rhiannon in their lives. My friends have got other friends, of course they have, but nobody else can be reanimant to them, only I can be Rhiannon to them. See, the number one most unique and most important good work I believe that God has prepared us for and prepared in advance for us to do and prepared that we would flourish at, our relationships, their relationships. The problem with relationships is they take time. It's not an instant thing. They require energy, they require turning up, they require attention. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because often we've heard, you hear of CEOs and really important kind of bankers or people who who are sharing about their life story, maybe even pastors or leaders. And often they say that they regret the fact that they didn't have more time for the people that were around. Often it's children, but maybe it's friends or family. Is that whole saying, isn't there, that nobody on their deathbed says, I wish I spent another day in the office. The regrets that people have, they're always usually to do with relationships, and I wish I could have spent more time with that person. I wish I could have been around to see them when they uh, had their grandchild or, 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 or when they graduated or when they celebrated something. I, I wish I could have been there. And I got to thinking, why? Why are these people who are highly successful people, who are intelligent people, why do they have these regrets and why are they so replicated amongst all different kinds of people? Why? You know, they're in charge of their lives. Why don't they just decide, I I don't want to do this any longer? Well, Rob Parsons said it and I think he's so true. He said, it's because they're waiting and we're waiting for a quieter day. We're always thinking, I'll just do this because a quieter day's is coming. And when there's a quieter day, then I can attend to all the things that I really want to. Then I can pour my time into relationships. I'm just going to wait for that quieter day. But church, do you know what I've realized is, maybe this is just me, but I don't think that quieter day ever comes. Life seems to get full. And the quieter day seems to just be a little bit of a pipe dream. So how can we begin to get some time to prioritize for the relationships that are so important to our lives if the quieter day is not coming? Well, what we've got to do is we've got to try and find some loopholes in life. We've got to try and find some life hacks and some, some pockets of time that we can start to create some breathing space around relationships so that they can flourish. Andy Stanley says, relationships will thrive where there's breathing room, but they will die at the limits. And so we've got to try and create some breathing space. And I just want to suggest to you that one of the areas that we could redeem, one of the areas that we could start to claim back, is the area of unmanaged time. Unmanaged time. And I've just borrowed a little bit here from a book called Ordering Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald. And for me, that was a really, really key read for me. It might be for you, it might not be, but it's a a sort of Christian classic from the 20th century. And really what he's just talking about is how can we begin to have our private world ordered like this rather than having it like this? And so I've just borrowed a couple of things in relation to time and unmanaged time specifically and how we can begin to create breathing room for our relationships. If you want some more stuff about general time, then Jen shared a couple of weeks ago a fantastic sermon on time. So do go and have a look at that. But I just want to tell you a couple of things about time. Firstly, unmanaged time will be influenced by dominant people in your world, Unmanaged time will be influenced by dominant people in your world. If we're not intentional about our time, then those who are loudest and dominant will make demands upon our time. And see, here's the key thing. We can sometimes think, oh, that's fine. But actually, if you start to think who's dominant in your life versus who's important, they're often not the same. They're often not the same. It could be if you're in business that your client is extremely dominant. And whilst obviously there's some importance there, they're perhaps not as important as your wife. It could be that your email is the real dominant voice in your life and you're forever answering different emails. But but let me suggest to you that your email is not the most important thing in your life. It might be the most dominant, but it's not the most important. So what we've got to understand is if we want to harness this unmanaged time to create breathing room for our relationships is we've got to look honestly at those who are speaking into our lives and say who's the most dominant but who's the most important because often the two are not the same often the two are not the same so unmanaged time will flow to whoever's most dominant in our lives the other thing that unmanaged time will uh, that will happen with unmanaged time is it will surrender to all emergencies, it will surrender to all emergencies. I um, used to used to be a doctor, and part of my training was uh, working in um, Addenbrooke's, and I used to cover ward nights and. Um, I got the short straw because I ended up covering all the medical specialties which had all the sickest patients. So, um, Although everyone always said they got the short straw because that's just the way people, but I really felt like I got the short straw. And um, I used to cover gastroenterology, renal, hepatology, diabetes, endocrine, and general medical outliers. Okay, so it was one of me and hundreds of patients. And uh, around about August, when the new, 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 new doctors come on board, um, I took a handover from this uh, brand new doctor who must have been in his second week or something and he looked petrified and totally the epitome of stress and um, he comes in and he's like oh I've got to tell you about this patient this patient is on the intermediate dependency area could go to ICU the consultant wants to know needs to measure his sodiums regularly blah, blah 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 really 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 sick really important that you get up and you sort this person out and I was like okay that's fine got his name down I'll pop and see them first thing and he said right okay next patient so 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 important I've had so many phone calls about this I really need you to deal with this and I was thinking oh poor love he's had a really hard shift he's had you know this one person had a really rare um, disease and then he's having to go into another thing and it's all going on he said there's an old lady and she's not actually opened her bowels for 24 hours and she needs a laxative prescribed now. And you've got to get up onto that ward now and you've got to do it right now because the nurses are on at me. And, and it's just, you know, it's, it's a real emergency. And I was like, I didn't actually even write it down <laughs> because I was just like, how many of you know, I'm sorry if this is a bit crude, but it's not the end of the world if you've not been to the toilet for a day versus other things. Some of you are thinking, really? Well, there we go, little, little, gem. and if anyone is a doctor in here, it wasn't obstruction because I don't want you saying, well, there is, you know, there is a, but, but it was just kind of normal, a little bit tricky to go to the toilet, but this poor guy who was totally appropriate, he wasn't a bad doctor or anything, but he just viewed everything as important, everything as urgent, and as a result was totally stressed because he couldn't tell the fact that it might be urgent, but that wasn't important. What was important was that person who nearly went to ITU, who didn't go to ITU, but that was where we needed to put our energy, not the person that was ringing about prescribing a little bit of Senna. I joke about it because it's a bit of an extreme example, but often in relationships, we can find that. Often the people that seem to be having recurrent crises and always it seems to be urgent and you've got to come now and we've got to sort this out, they're not actually the important people in our lives. Often it's the people in the background who, they don't want to make demands upon us because they love us too much. They, d- they, they see that we're stressed and busy and they'll say, actually, I'll just take a little back seat. Relationships that are important are very rarely urgent. And I would suggest that if they do start to become urgent, then it's almost too late. They become urgent when someone says, "Enough! I'm giving up. I'm having a relate. You know, th- this relationship's broken down." But actually, when you talk to those people, it's kind of happened for a long time beforehand. So one of the things we've got to grasp about unmanaged time is, yes, it's, it, it, it bows to the dominant people in our lives. But if we're not careful and we're not intentional about our time, it will fall prey to urgent things. And urgent isn't always important. There's a lovely phrase that um, I read just said, beware of the tyranny of the urgent. There's always gonna be another urgent email coming through. There's always gonna be another emergency, but very little in life truly, truly is an emergency. Very little needs to be dealt with there and then. But the important things, if we don't attend to them, will soon become urgent. So what do we do? We've identified some of the areas in our lives where there's unmanaged time. We've maybe identified some of the dominant voices, some of the urgent voices, and we've perhaps said they're not the important ones. How do we then begin to use the time that we've got in order to invest into relationships more? I just want to offer you a few quick things that have helped me be a bit more intentional about my time so I can create breathing room for relationships. The first thing is adopt a rhythm over routine. Maybe you're very routine-oriented, and I would love to get to know you because I'm not very good at routine. But I find sometimes with routine that routine is very rigid. And the thing about people and relationships is they don't fit in a nine-to-five kind of model. It's no use saying to somebody, yes, I'll be your friend, but we'll m- you, know, you can only call me and have an emergency, or you can only call me and have an issue at 4.30 every other Thursday if the sun's shining. Routine can be quite rigid, but when we start to think about having a rhythm in life, it, it creates a bit more flexibility. You see, when you've got a rhythm in a song, it can build or it can slow down and it can, it, it can have ebbs and flows, and, and those ebbs and flows add to the beauty of the song. If it was just really regimented, it would be a really dull song. One of the key things that I've learned in life is that it's not about getting a routine, because if you miss out on a routine and you do it wrong, then you can think, oh, the whole thing's wasted. But when we start to think about what are the rhythms in our lives, that's so much more freeing. Maybe we can think, well, this week is going to be quite full on at work, so I perhaps need to look at it and think, well, maybe next week I need to draw back a little bit. It's that ebbing and flowing, the flexibility that allows us to be able to have relationships and let them flourish and let them have a bit of breathing room. So rhythm over routine has really helped me in terms of relationships and my time. The other thing that I would say is being intentional rather than chaotic. A wardrobe doesn't end up like that. And I don't know whether you've noticed, but about once a year, I would tidy my wardrobe up and it will look like that, but somehow it always ends up reverting to that. If we're not intentional, then we're not going to keep it like this. We'll end up just kind of going back to throwing more and more in. We've got to keep asking ourselves and keep evaluating, who are the dominant people in my life? Who are the urgent people or the urgent things that are getting in the way? And what's the most important? What are the values that I really wanna live by? What are the good works that only I can do? Somebody else probably could do that email or somebody else could do that, but actually nobody can be absent from our family at the moment, only I can be there. And finally, this one sounds quite boring, <laughs> but I've realized that in order to, to, for relationships to have breathing room, we've gotta be planners rather than spontaneous. And that sounds boring because, hey, no one wants to plan in some respects a relationship. But I've realized that if I don't plan and get intentional about meeting up with somebody, even if it's three months down the line, then I don't ever see them. Life gets on in the way. My, my brother and sister-in-law are two of the most encouraging um, life-giving people that I have in my life. And I realized and we realized that we hardly ever saw each other because we were both full on with church and, and it, like, we just never, ever met up. And what we'd do is go, oh, are you free? And then next week, no, 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 we're not. And then they'd say, are you free next week? No, no, we're not. So what we have to do now is plan like three months in advance because those are relationships that I know are unique to me. Those are relationships that I get stuff from but I can put into. So I had to plan. I'd love to be spontaneous, but it just doesn't work. So those are some areas that I feel have really helped me and I believe could help you in realizing that God wants you to thrive. God wants you to flourish. He wants you to have a life that is to the full. And we've got to get away from seeing our lives in all these different roles and just start to see ourselves as a whole person that's multifaceted, complicated in a beautiful way with loads of giftings and skills and context that we operate in, but still a whole person. That's how Jesus sees us. And we need to see ourselves a little bit more like that as well. I just wonder if the band um, could come up for me. See, I was thinking, as I was preparing this uh, talk that I'm sure there's going to be some people who as soon as I said, now we're talking about relationships, will have probably just gone, oh gosh, another thing. Another thing that I'm not good at or another thing that I need to get better at. And you will have just viewed it like another thing that needs to go into the the wardrobe. And you'll have said, you know, Rhiannon, you don't know my life. My life can never be like that. I've just got too many Plates in the air and too many things going on. I cannot, I cannot be like that. I'm always going to have a little bit like this, and so choosing to cheat's kind of what I've had to do. Well, I just want to challenge you again and say I don't believe that that's God's best for you. I believe that God wants you to flourish in life, to thrive, and that's what we've talked about over the whole of this series. How can you be blessed in your finances? How can you um, succeed more in your job? How can you find more time? How can you have better relationships? It's because that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to feel like our life is chaotic, like we're not in control of things. He wants us to feel like there's room. There's room for one more person in your life. There's room for somebody who needs you. There's room for you to find out what those good works are that God's called you to do. I think the number one thing that stops us from change, the number one thing that stops us from making some radical decisions about who's dominant and who should be important, about what's urgent and what's important. The number one thing is fear. See, if you live your life at the limits, then you're controlling as much as you possibly can within your world. And for those of us, perhaps, who love to be in control of things, then at least if it all goes wrong, we can say, well, I did as much as I possibly could. I couldn't have done any more. And then we can let ourselves off the hook. But what we've been saying to you is bring some breathing room in. Have a margin. Have a part of your life where perhaps you're not in control. Let God be in control of those areas. Give some breathing space to your life. And that can be scary. Because the immediate questions that come to mind are, well, what will happen if I do that? If I don't reply to that email straight away. If I tell my boss I really want to leave at half past five every day and not be there till eight o'clock every night. What will happen? What will people think of me? My job will, you know, will not work out so well. And, and what will happen if I say to my friends, you know, you're always asking me for things and it's not an emergency. And I need to spend some time with some of my family. Or, I need to go to some friends who really need me. What will they think of me? Let me just say this to you. Church, God has got your back. He wants you to succeed. He's not setting you up to fail. The Bible says a bruised reed here will not break. He's not here to work us into the ground. He's here to see us thrive. He's here to see us achieve those good works. The question is, what are the good works that you've got? And what are the good works that are for somebody else? I just want to give you an opportunity now to just pray and to just take a moment. I'm just gonna ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. We've come to the end of this series and it's been such a practical series. And I'm sure that there's nobody really in this room that feels they've got the balance right. As that quote I read to you says, it takes our whole life to find out what our all is. It's a journey. Sometimes we'll be spot on. Sometimes we can be miles off. But I just wanna give you an opportunity to respond to what you've heard over the last few weeks. I wanna give you an opportunity to say, God, I'm not gonna let the fear kick in. I'm gonna to choose to trust you. And For some of you, there's gonna be some big decisions that are gonna come out of this. Some really, perhaps, awkward conversations. But I just wanna encourage you that God has got your back. God is for you, he's not against you. He's got plans to prosper you. He's got plans to see you do good works. And so I just wonder if there's people here who wanna say, do you know, yeah, I'm gonna put my hand up today because I'm gonna commit to saying I'm gonna trust and not fear. When I feel the fear, I'm going to choose to trust God in the breathing space. I'm going to create a life that has room for others. I'm going to create a life that has room for what God wants me to do. I don't want to live my life thinking, what if I trusted God more? Is there anyone here that wants to respond today to just say, yeah, I want to trust more. I want to let go of fear. Thank you. You know, my hand is up right now, because I know that there's areas in my life where I need to let go and let God a bit more. These times when I've surrendered to the dominant rather than the important. I'm just gonna pray for you. Father God, I thank you that you are trustworthy. I thank you that you want us to succeed more than we could ever want to succeed in life. I thank you that you have created us for good works. I thank you, God, that those good works are specific to us. God, that you've made us with a purpose. And I just pray for those people who have bravely put their hand up and said, you know, I am going to choose to trust you rather than be fearful. I pray as they go out from here and as they make some perhaps courageous decisions, I just pray that you will be with them. God, I pray as they put you first that you would just bless them. God, we don't understand kingdom maths. We don't understand how when we tithe, you bless us. And it's the same with our time and our relationships. God, we choose to put you first. And we choose to trust you with the rest. I just also just want to give you a moment right now. Perhaps you've listened to all that's been said. Perhaps you've been over in church the last few weeks and And you feel that your life is just like that. Totally chaotic. You feel perhaps that you're not really in control of anything. You feel that you get pushed from pillar to post and and you feel actually I don't need to just trust God in the breathing room. I just need to trust God full stop. I've tried to live my life, I've tried to cram all those extra things in. I've tried to be a good mum and a good this and a good that and And I just always feel like I'm not doing what I should be or I'm not living up to the expectation that I place upon myself. I want to give you an opportunity right now to trust your whole life with God. And there might be some fear, there might be some nervousness, but I want to give you an opportunity to say, God, I'm done doing it my own way. I want you to come and I want you to help me. I want you to help me bring order in the chaos. I want, to help, I want you to help me bring hope where I felt hopeless. Maybe it's the first time you've ever asked God to, to look after your life. Or maybe you've been there before and you've fallen away and, and God's not become your priority and things have reverted a little bit to chaos. I wanna give you an opportunity today to come back to Jesus or to come to him for the first time and to trust him with your life. gonna pray a short prayer and when you've prayed it I'd like you to raise your hand and the only people that are gonna see it are me and a couple of other people who just want to give you a gift so let's just pray this prayer together shall we dear Lord I thank you for dying for me I thank you that you have a purpose for me I thank you that you've come to give me life to the full I'm sorry when I've tried to live my life myself. Today, I trust you with my life. I want to become a Christian. Amen. Is there anybody here today that's prayed that for the first time or a way of just coming back? I'd just like you to pop your hand in the air and pop it back down again just so we can see. Is there anyone here? Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. It's a great decision. A great decision. Someone will have a chat with you afterwards, sir. And then we are going to bring this meeting to a close. I hope there's loads of food for thought for you over this series. If you're not in a Connect group, can I encourage you to get in a Connect group and and mull it over and talk about it. it. If it's your first time here today, grab someone in a Connect shirt say I need a free coffee and go and get a free coffee from Coldhams Lane if it's not your first time there's coffees upstairs in the lounge and uh, don't forget to go and collect your children other than that have a fantastic week and we will see you next week church